Matusik, and next to me is Carrie Henderson. How are you doing today, Carrie? I am doing great. I'm glad you're doing the intro today, Kyle. <laughs> Every day it's going to be different, <laughs> and that's what's going to make this awesome. Uh, today we're evolving our season one, you know, where we're going to talk about introspection and authenticity. Uh, the biggest thing we're going to get into today is kind of our stories, how uh, we got to where we are, how we got to the ideologies we are, how we practice them, how we continually work on them, and how we try to provide that in the environments that we're trying to establish for other leaders to grow. So I'm really excited about that, uh, learning a little bit about and setting a foundation for where this podcast is going, our last episode, and then just kind of continuing the conversation and going from there. Awesome. I'm excited too, because I felt like uh, in the last episode, only having 30 minutes, I could talk all day. And and, and I love that in these podcasts, we can really take our time and in each episode talk about some specifics and get down deeper than um, surface level stuff. So I'm excited today to talk about our stories, especially your story. I think your story is so important. We talk about introspection and how it plays into authenticity and emotion and emotional intelligence. And it it's it's probably a story that so many in the fire service have, but yours I like your story because it has a happy ending. It has, you know, you did you 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 did work and it and it man, it it changed your life. So I'm excited for you to share that. Yeah, I you know, I'm I'm excited too. And and I think you hit it on the head that so many people in our industry have similar stories and have dealt with things in their life. And you know, the the history of the fire service and how we deal with things has uh been very um destructive for lack of better words on how we deal with with the hardships of life you know and we go into this profession and we have an innate ability to go and see some of the worst things society has to offer and we can black that out do our job and do our job effectively and very well um and go on to the next one you know and that's the life we live so when things happen to us personally, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, how do I black this out and how do I continue to progress? And a lot of times it turns into some sort of destructive behavior, right? And and, and we see that uh, within the fire service greatly and we see that in society as well. Uh, so it's really understanding that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I've shared my story a, a lot of times and it gets other people talking, which is exciting. And... As, as you've mentioned before, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, soft and safe space. And it's not that, you know, this is very hard stuff to talk. It was very hard stuff to talk about, much easier today. Um, but to truly, truly try to get people to understand who you are and why you were being a certain way and, and, and all that. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting and um, challenging at the same time. But um, to progress our industry, I think it's very important so we can get away from some of these destructive behaviors. Yeah. When I, if you missed the, our first episode, I, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to our first episode where we kind of talk about how we ended up here together and and why we talk about what we talk about. Um, Kyle wrote an essay about introspection and, and you could tell, you know, it, we didn't have, we, we couldn't write a 20 page essay. It was only, I can't remember how long they are, but two twenty five hundred 2,500 words maybe or something like yeah. that. But, you know, Kyle kind of um, just breaks the surface of his story in there. But I knew before meeting him, then when we first started talking and, and I, when we first 
uh, put together our presentation that we travel with and talk, I always start by asking him the question is, okay, Kyle, you talk about an introspection. I'm guessing something happened and you have this big story. What led you to do all that hard work and, and tell that story? And so I, I don't want to waste any more time. Tell the story, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a dark, cold <laughs> December night. No, no. <laughs> I, you know, my story goes back just like all of us, you know, it, it goes all the way back to childhood and it's a lot of things that I just didn't realize, you know, we become this product of the things we see in our life and the experiences that we've gone through. And a lot of us uh, in society, in the fire service, we just become this product, right? And we just survive. And that is not authentic, right? It's everything but, and we just survive and we cope our way through life. And it's seems easy on the surface. You know, my wife and I talk nowadays and it's like, man, sometimes it'd just be easier to go back the way we used to be. And it's like, yeah, you know, it, it seems that way, but in all reality, it isn't our true self. And, you know, to do the work is, is very hard and to maintain it is, is also very hard. So it goes back uh, a little bit, kind of that aha moment, rock bottom, whatever you want to call it. Um, my wife and I were trying to start a family and she had a miscarriage. And I'll never forget that. It was very, you know, extremely challenging time for her. And uh, I, I actually wrote a blog on that and I'll share it later. You know, the guy's perspective of it all and especially being in the fire service, you know, we, we do this job and we're supposed to fix things and control things. And this was the situation I could not control and I could not fix. You know, so I was just trying to be the strong one and, and get us through it, whatever I can do, you know, and everything I was doing was not right. You know, just trying to put more on my plate and figure things out and take care of business at home so she wouldn't have to, when at the end of the day, it's just all she needed was empathy and compassion, but I didn't know that yet. So fast forward a little bit, you know, we, we kind of get out of our funk a little bit and we try again, and she had another miscarriage. Uh, this one was just very heavy for me, and it it essentially took the wind completely out of my sails. But what did I do? I just coped some more and put more on my plate. You know, at this time, we were through our second miscarriage. I was working full-time as a firefighter. I owned a business. I was teaching at the community college. I was a full-time student getting my bachelor's and master's. And it's like, oh, more stress is coming. Let's throw some more on my plate, and I'll get involved in this and this. So, you know, my plate was extremely full, and I... It was just so I didn't have to deal with what I was feeling. I just could push it aside and and keep grinding. You know, you look at the life that I was living, and society says everything I was doing was successful, and I was such a hard worker. Uh, but deep down inside, it was everything but. You know, and you could almost take things for the destructive behaviors. Like that's a destructive behavior what I was doing. And you look at you know drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and all those other things. Um, just because I didn't choose that doesn't mean that I wasn't hurting. You know, and I think we have to break some of those stigmas as well. So uh, after that second one, I remember we had, it was kind of when the mental health started making the rounds in the fire service, you know, I mean, it was like 2014, 2015, I think. And that became the new buzzword. And we had somebody come and talk to us, uh, a clinician come and talk to us at the, at the firehouse. And I remember sitting in that room and I felt like I was the only one in that room. And she was literally just staring at me and talking to me. And I was like, like kept looking over my shoulder, like, who are you looking at? You, right. Like it wasn't me. Uh, but I kind of took uh, to heart what she, she was saying. And eventually I ended up in therapy uh, and kind of the short version of that. It, I was in therapy for a total of about four, four and a half years. Um, 
I learned a lot during that time. And I'll tell you, you know, there's going to therapy and then there's doing therapy. And like for the first four years, I was just going to therapy. And then those last six months was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just completely life changing. And, and, uh, um, just wow. You know, when you come out of those things, you know, a lot of times the biggest things you start to develop is empathy and compassion. I look back at the miscarriages. That's what my wife needed. That's what I needed. You know, in our industry, I couldn't go into the firehouse and be like, I'm hurting, you know, I'm sad, you know, start crying and all that stuff. Like you, you just didn't do that. Um, you're weak, whether you thought you were weak or I'm not strong enough, whatever, whatever the case may be. You know, and then through that process, you start learning about the things that happened in my childhood and how that affected me and, you know, how you're just constantly trying to achieve things and you have feelings of shame and not being good enough and where that came from. And you're just like, whoa, this is heavy stuff, uh, you know, and so the culmination of all that is really, I, I, I did a lot of work of looking within, like what happened to me? How do I not let that stuff control me anymore? And then who am I? Like, who am I? Like, what is my identity? And I think you said it, um, like, when we do this work later in life, uh, you know, not early on and figuring all this stuff out, it's like you're, you're being reborn and you're figuring things out for the first time and how you really want to be and how you really want to be portrayed. You know, one of the toughest challenges for me, though, was trying to take on this change while working in our industry. You know, I mentioned that, you know, we get pegged a certain way and people get this idea of who we are and they don't let go of that. You know, the biggest challenge was trying to change who I was while everybody trying to keep me the way I used to be. You know, some people appreciated me being a jerk and how I was and wanted to just keep me that way and keep the negativity going and uh, saw my change as weakness and who is this guy and he's lazy and his standards are down and blah, blah, blah. You know, I heard it from both ends. And here you are in this time and I, I, I'll never forget how lonely I felt because it's like I had nobody that got it, nobody that wanted to get it. Um, and I was just trying to survive, like my head barely above water, just trying to survive and, and get through this. Uh, so like I said, it is one of the most challenging, challenging things I've ever done in my life. And for anybody else that wants to, you know, take that introspective journey on learn, learning who you are at your core, it is a challenge. And our culture in the fire service does not make it easy for you to do so. And I think that's why, you know, that's, that's my motivation to continue to go out and speak and meet people and shake hands and do this podcast. It's like, it doesn't have to be that way. We're all broken people, Carrie, right? We're all broken. Um, we all have our own stories. And if we can understand that and have some empathy and compassion for each other, uh, I, I think our industry would be much better off. You know, what always boggles my mind is we talk about the brotherhood and sisterhood of the fire service. Well, what is that without empathy and compassion? It's non-existent. That's what it is, you know, and... Um, I'm getting a little emotional now and you just talking about, you know, fired up. It's, it's just, it's sad because a lot of times we just talk about these are basic human values. Like this isn't rocket science, what we're talking about, treating people kind, having empathy. What is that? What does that look like? It doesn't have to be weakness. It's not soft and we can raise standards through it all. So, you know, that's a quick snippet of kind of my story, where it's evolved, where it's going. You know, the work doesn't stop. It's a constant um, it, it's a constant to keep yourself in check from, cause there's always that draw to go back to your old ways, you know, and sometimes it, it looks easier. Um, but us being together and speaking keeps me on track, you know, and, and doing other things. So it's, 
it's been an exciting journey. It's been, again, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I know there's a lot of people out there with some type of story similar to mine. It doesn't have to be miscarriages. It, it's, you know, when we, when we look at trauma and stuff, everybody's as individual. Um, but your story is your story and own it and talk about it and get that uh, support that you need when we talk about mental health and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's shifting that culture. So I hope that answered uh, a, a little bit of your questions. And, you know, I'm, I'm just excited for where we're going because I think me and you have the capability and the motivation to change and shift a culture to where we can provide an environment for people to grow and learn as people, not just as firefighters. And And, and I love that every time we talk, and every time we share, I, I learn something new or I think of something new that that changes me. And so you've mentioned before, Kyle, that, you know, what what percentage of, of first responders come from a trauma background? It's like yeah. all of them. Yeah, it's pretty much all of them, right? Just, I mean, anticipate that. I think some studies yeah. said like upwards of 90% of people who come into, you know, fire police, uh, emergency room, military, uh, come from some type of traumatic background. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it makes sense that, you, you go through these things and you have this trauma and you have no idea personally how to deal with it yourself because it's, it, it's hard unless you, like you said, you do that, you do that work and, and work through some of that stuff. Um, but you're drawn to a profession where you can help people immediately, uh, you know, and they're going through crisis. And so that makes sense to me. And another thing, and I, I, I've talked a lot about, how it's really important before promotion or before a leadership position that you do some of this work or that you do some, some work on what type of leader and how you're going to lead and, and that kind of stuff. Because once you get promoted and you have this crew of people, it's really hard to come in then, you know, two years into this position and then do this work and show back up to work the next day and, and want to be a different person or act or behave a different way because people, people want to go, no, 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 that's not you. That that's not who you were on Tuesday. Why on Thursday do you want to try to treat me a, a different way? But, and I, that's kind of my, the basis of what I've thought for a long time, but I want to put it out right now to anybody that, that, you know, maybe our two listeners <laughs> that we, <laughs> that we end up with that, I think it's important for empathy and compassion that if you have a leader that you're not maybe super happy with and they come in and and they want to change and they're doing work, hey, give maybe give them some grace and and help them figure that out and come alongside them versus and I know I I can say it for myself. I've had leaders that you know, you see them come in and they're doing something different. They're like, oh, they must have just taken a class. What is going on? This doesn't feel right. Now, it may not be perf a perfect fit for them to try whatever latest and greatest thing they've learned. But if they're doing hard work and they want to get better and 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 anybody, I'm talking great, even the greatest leaders that are that are doing hard work and change and stuff, you know, work with them on that. And I, that just, it made me think of that because uh, our stories are are similar and different, but I've always had this notion that do the hard work first so that you don't have to come in and after five day break, be a different person because Kyle, you live that too. I, 
you yeah. t- tell tell that story about you, you know you, you went from jerk Kyle to nice Kyle yeah. and yeah I mean pretty much that's how some <laughs> of my closest friends will, will phrase it. it you know if we ever get them on on the show I'm sure that's exactly how they would phrase it you know and uh, uh, but yeah like I said it it presented a lot of challenges and I think you hit the word uh, perfect I I kind of uh, just perfect grace you know, grace was definitely given to me. And I don't think these three people even realized what they were doing. But January 1st of 2018, I got moved shifts. Um, I was not happy about it. And then the three people that used to not like me very much were not very happy about it either. None of us were happy about it. But like something I woke up inside and said, this is an opportunity. Uh, And they gave me grace during especially that first year. And we started hanging out away from work. And now they're like the three of my closest friends away from work. Again, I didn't ask them to change. I changed. Uh, So they gave me that grace that I needed. And they gave me room to grow. And, you know, where without them, I don't know where I would be. And I don't know if they even realize the impact they've had on my life and and allowing me that space and that room to do so. Uh, so if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I think that's important. And I think that's important for leaders to know, like, give people grace. A lot of times I'd hear, you know, especially coming out of that journey is, well, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to help you. I didn't know. How, you know, you didn't say anything. I get that, you know, and a lot of times we keep things close to our chest because we don't want to talk about it or I thought it was weak. But at the same token, it's like now in this position, like if somebody's not saying anything, but they're acting completely different, I know something's up so I can approach it. Right. And I can approach it candidly and, you know, from a distance and and be very sensitive because I really don't know what's going on, but I can start asking the conversations. You know, and it brings us more as leaders, it's very important that we know our people, right? The more we know about them, the more we're able to know when they're hurting or something's off or something's not right. And then we can kind of jump on that and take an empathetic, compassionate approach to it versus what's wrong with you, you know, type hard, just white, you know, rub sand on it type uh, uh, mentality. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to do in our industry to change because you're going to get pulled both ways and it's going to be a very lonely time for an unknown amount of time um, as you're getting pulled both ways wanting to change and nobody's giving you that grace yet because people may not trust you there yet and then everybody who liked your old version trying to reel you back into that old ways and then you're just in this place all by yourself um so it, it that's the loneliness of it all. And how do we progress out of that? And how do we, we create the environments for people to do so? And it's very important to have those types of environments. It is. And especially now, I, I don't feel like, it, and, and this may just be my perception from the departments around us, is we don't hang out as much as we used to. You know, in our department, all of us, hung out a lot and we, we knew each other pretty well. And, and you, you know, you knew their, your spouses and kids and, and now it's even more important if, if you're not spending time outside of the firehouse, which I'm not saying there's there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, that's not for everybody and, and prioritizing your personal life and your family. I, I cannot fault you for that one bit. Uh, Part of my story is, you know, and, and is, is kind of revolves around that. But if you're, if you don't know your people well, figure out a way to do that because, uh, you know, like Kyle and, and and me personally, I had three miscarriages after I had my son and, and how we respond to that is going to be different and how Kyle responds to that at work is going to be different than, than Carrie. And for me, 
if, you know, my, my supervisors all knew, you know, kind of what I was going through, but if I'm responding on an EMS call to a woman having a miscarriage, some people might think, gosh, that might be too hard for Carrie, but actually I wanted to be on those calls because I wanted to provide the support to those women because I knew what it felt like emotionally and physically. And, but for Kyle, that may have been different. Like, Hey, I'm going to check on Kyle a ton more after a call like that, because that, you know, that, that could be super tough for him to have to go through. Um, but just knowing those things about your coworkers makes you, I mean, yes, it makes you a better supervisor, but it just makes you a better human being is, is being there. Um, and, and, and knowing, you know, what people need and just walking with them walking alongside them. Yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to be this big, happy family, you know, and obviously this big, happy, dysfunctional family, right? Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we still could, you know, operate in a smooth and effective way where we're really taking care of each other. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, mental health and the struggles that we're seeing and, and suicides, you know, on the surface, when we look at how do we fix this stuff, it's just like you said, be a human being. Like, let, let's just start there. Um, and that could get us a far, you know, we could travel far ways just on that alone. And it, it's breaking the, these cultural norms that we've been entrenched with for years and years and years that we just got to move on from. I mean, it's just not effective and it's not a way to run an organization. It's not a way to lead people. Um, and we're just seeing the um, the products of, the, uh, uh, you know, these environments uh, and not taking care of the the human behind the badge, essentially, right? Um, exactly. You're just a you're just a firefighter, and you have to do this job, and you got to rub sand on it. You got to move on, and don't bring your personal life to work. And you know, I don't care. Like, you got to do this. You got to train this. You got to be this good. Uh, you know, and that's where we're drawing our standards. Yet we forget about the human behind it, you know, because on a human basis, we're all the same, right? We, our brains are the same. Um, you know, we all have the same things that cause our emotions and how we process things. And we all have heart, lungs, like we're all the same. And, um, but then we're so differently in our characteristics and how we process stuff. So it, it, it's really important that we learn how to establish an environment like that for people to grow in. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree more on that. And I want to go back and talk a little bit about, you know, the difference and similarities in Kyle and I's journeys and just offer some advice if I can, if, if we have listeners that are thinking about promotion or I, I encourage you to do the work now, don't wait. It's so much easier, like we just talked about, to get yourself figured out first um, before you try to go in and convince uh, uh, some other people to follow you, it's just so much easier. And 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 my story, Kyle and I have a lot of similarities. I talked about my miscarriages, and and the way I handled them was very similar to Kyle. Is that I didn't, um, I was a disaster internally, but I didn't know how to get that out, <laughs> and so I did probably all the wrong things. Um, I I. I made work a priority and my identity was, was my job. I was on every committee, um, every work group, every, whatever it was that there, there was to participate in, in the fire service. That's who Carrie was. And, um, I was still a mom and I was, uh, and that, and, and that started to really make, make the shift was, was my son as, as, my son needed Carrie as a mom, not Carrie as a firefighter. And, 
and thank God for him and and for my for my son coming along because that changed everything for me. Is you know I the, he's the thing I'm most proud of in my whole life. You know I could I could win the Nobel Peace Prize, but nothing compares to Nicholas. He's just he. <laughs> I'm sure most moms probably feel the same way, but it, it it changed everything for me. But my the other part of my story is that I had some really awesome leaders that I worked for. And I wasn't quite sure what kind of leader I wanted to be. I knew I always thought I always felt a little soft at work. I thought here I am in this male dominated career, all these, you know, ex military guys, and it's very, you know, paramilitary setup. But I always wanted to know, like when people screwed up, well, there had to have been a reason. Like what what made them make that decision? It wasn't people don't just screw up to screw up for the most part, right? Um, but you know, did what was going on? Was there something going on at home with them? Did they were they not trained enough? Did they not understand the expectation? Did they not understand the rule? Were there was there too much other stuff going on? And and for a long time, I felt like that was soft, and I thought there was no place for that, and I didn't feel, I didn't feel good about that style of leadership. But I, that was who I was, and I knew that. And so I worked for um, right before I got promoted to captain. I worked for um, a, a training captain, Robert Washington, works for the city of Williamsburg now, um, but he used to work in our department. And man, he he. he he basically gave me the business every day. He was tough on me. He set really high expectations for me, but he, he empowered me to lead the way I was. And he, he, you, you got to have somebody like that in your corner. Right. And I was really, really lucky to have him. And just some of the other captains that I worked for, um, on shift work were just, they were just really great about that. And I, I, I can say our department, is killing it in that aspect of we do a whole lot of compassion based decision making. Uh, I look at I see other departments and I you know we travel around Kyle and I do and I'm on a couple different training officers and safety officers groups where I meet people from all over the state of Virginia and I listen to the stories about how they're disciplining people um, for stuff and I'm like guys think about why some of these things are happening and the human side of why you're getting those behaviors and work with those people in that aspect. And I bet you'll get a different response from them. And, and if you tie that back into why are people, why can't we get, get people to work in the fire service? Now I, I, I get it. There's people don't, people, there are, uh, it's hard to get people to work anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. But in the fire service, we, we do have, have a big recruitment and retention issue. But if you look at departments um, that are changing the way they do business and the way they handle people, not employees, how they handle people um, and treat them like human beings, it makes a big difference. We do not have a staffing issue. We actually are, we have our, we have overhire positions that are filled. So we, we have no vacancies, which I mean, it's, it, it's crazy if you change the way you, you know, we have our problems. Don't get me wrong, but I I think it goes back to you know the human side of things and 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 leading from that way and and that's my story. Is I I thought I was too soft for the fire service, 
And, and once I realized that it was okay to, to be compassionate and to have empathy, and it was also okay to have extremely high expectations because I could, I could un- help, I could try to understand where you were coming from. Um, and once I knew that I could set your ex, I could set expectations very high for you. Cause I knew what you're capable of. That's my story. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, as we travel around, it's fun to see the strengths and weaknesses of states. And well, you know, we're speaking general generalities, right? Yeah. Cause we can't pick out every department that we've uh, encountered and networked with. Uh, but for me, uh, you know, when I went to Virginia, I was very impressed with a lot of things and I'm just like, could this ever come to Illinois? And I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, like, yes, yes. <laughs> and it's like, they get some of this stuff and it's cool to see, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see what works in other places and like where the struggles are at. Because like you said, you still have your problems. We're not taking that away. Um, but like, where are the problems at, you know, like what level, where does it need to change? How do we progress out of this? Um, and, and how do we, you know, become ever evolving um, is really the question to ask. And it's, it's cool to travel around and see those um, places that got it, you know, and when we talk about recruiting and retention and, and, you know, we're going to at a later date, you know, I I think the, the culture is really against pulling people in. Like who wants to come into this culture? Hey, come to the fire service. You're more likely to get cancer, die by suicide. We're going to force you on 48 hour shifts. And you're only going to know that an hour before you're supposed to go home. So like, come, you know, and they're like, no, I could, I could go sit online and make, you know, whatever. So we're, we're, our competition is changed on how we have to recruit and retain people. And it's about shifting that culture and providing that environment for people to grow in and have a purposeful, purposeful reason to, to join an organization such as the fire service. Yeah. hundred percent because everybody wants to have purpose in their, in their job. You know, I, I, I think, making money is important. Don't get me wrong. And, and being compensated appropriately for the work that you do is, is super important, but having purpose, um, is, is important too. And I think that is how we, we should always be able to attract people because we, we provide such purposeful, you know, purposeful jobs. So, but yeah, you gotta, you also have to make it an environment uh, that people want to be in because they have to spend so much time together. Yep, they do. And, uh, you know, it, it's a perfect time to kind of segue into where we're going next. And we've hit on it a few times talking about a safe space and, uh, you know, soft and using those kind of words. But, you know, next time we're going to talk about how this is not a safe space conversation. And we're going to break down some of those myths for you. And we're going to talk about how, you know, strength really comes from, uh, the things that we're talking about. And it's not needing a safe space. It's needing an environment for all of us to grow. So until next time on the Heated Command podcast, this is Kyle. And Carrie. Until next time, we'll see you then. <laughs>